Welcome to the Vibrant MD Podcast, where we discuss weight loss, women's health, and food. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Awad, a family doctor and certified weight loss coach. This podcast is informational, but is not meant as medical advice. Anything you want to change after listening should be discussed with your own doctor and personal medical team. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Hello, my vibrant friend, and thank you for joining me today on the podcast. I'm super excited to share with you today a coach, a gym owner, Marcus Eckert. He and his wife own a CrossFit gym in Minnesota. And because it's January, everyone's thinking about workouts. And CrossFit actually has some special benefits for people in midlife and beyond. So that's why I wanted to ask Marcus to join us today. I heard him talk about this, about functional fitness and getting stronger. And I was really intrigued and I thought you'd like to hear more about it too. So Marcus, Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Is there anything else we should know about you before we get started? I don't think too much. My wife and I are a gym called Northbound Training in Little Canada, Minnesota. We have two little kids with us too along the way. So trying to find a balance of life, but we absolutely love what we do and are super thankful for the opportunity to get to do it. Nice. And I'll let listeners know too that at the end, we'll give you more specific information about Marcus's gym and the contact information will also be in the show notes if you're in Minnesota and, and want to uh, know more. So Marcus, you know, before we jump into why functional fitness is so important, CrossFit, a lot of us think about CrossFit as really muscly people. We see them on the internet, they do competitions, but there's, you know, an element of functional fitness that's there that's really important too for kind of everyone. Can you talk about that, please? Yeah, absolutely. I I think a lot of times people visualizing CrossFit is kind of like the same way we'd visualize like the NFL. Like a lot of times our exposure is on the professional level. So when people are seeing CrossFit or they Google CrossFit, a lot of times they see the CrossFit games. They see professional athletes, people getting paid to do it. And yeah, it's outstanding how much muscle that they have on their body and how aerobically fit they are and anaerobically fit. But a lot of times that doesn't break its way down to just the everyday person in the everyday gym too. Like we have a great amount of people that have some great muscle tone, some amazing bodies at our gym, but on the average level, it's more like comparing like Pop Warner than it is like looking at the NFL. So it's kind of broken down. I, I think a lot of times people will get a better representation actually going into a gym rather than just Googling on the internet of what it looks like. Because as a basis, it's really just constantly very functional movement. And what we talk about with that is mixing it up as much as possible, but trying to translate that movement to just everyday life. And when we look at the professional level, they're in a competition. So they're doing events, they're doing tests that are meant to put them into a ranking system versus for most of the rest of us, it's just kind of an everyday training methodology that we practice as much as possible. Nice. And what's important about functional fitness when you're thinking about people at midlife and beyond? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about functional fitness, basically we're talking about movements that translate to everyday life. So while, you know, having big biceps was super important for me in college or performing at the highest level of my sport, high school, when we're specifically talking about functional movement, we're talking about things that carry over into just everyday life. So now I'm in my 30s or in my 40s or working with people in their 60s, 70s, 80s. It's our ability to potentially get up off the floor, our ability to pick up our kids or 
one of the most demanding things in our life is moving a car seat around. How do we work with moving loads? How do we control our body? So while aesthetics might be a certain part of it in terms of fitness or performance might be a certain part of it in terms of fitness, really what we're looking for with functional movement is just moving better through our everyday life or what we say is doing the common uncommonly well. That's, that's wonderful. I remember a couple things that you mentioned when I heard you speak about this were things like, you know, some areas of Minnesota, you have to have a water softener because the water's so hard. So you have to carry those bags. And you talked about like getting, you know, sitting down and getting up off the toilet and feeling strong doing that. You know, are those, those are the kind of things when you say that. Yeah. And, and kind of working with an older population of people too, I think those things become more prevalent because it starts to be in a realm of like, can you do it or can you not do it? And there starts to become a little bit of an ultimatum. And here in my thirties or, you know, working with people as they're aging into the forties and fifties, the less we have to think about that stuff and the more that we can just do them, typically the better off we are. So unfortunately with functional movement, it's not as simple as six months ago, I squatted this and today I can squat this. It, it can break down to just, can you pick up your bag of salt? Can you go outside and in our case, shovel? Can you take care of your yard? Can you pick up your kids or pick up your grandkids? And a lot of times life gives us, like I said before, more ultimatum than it does with progression. And so the less that we have to think about that stuff as we age, typically the better off we are. We don't want those things to start to become daunting tasks, but rather than just things that we can do in everyday life. Nice, nice. You know, there was a big social media trend in the past year where people were talking about how you'll live longer if you can get up off the floor without using your hands or without placing a knee down. And there was a lot of debate about that. But then I was watching that Netflix Blue Zones documentary where they were talking about people that live the longest. And they had people in Japan who sit on the floor frequently and get up and down frequently. And I thought, gosh, you know, now that my youngest is a teenager, do I get down on the floor all that often myself? I don't know. What do you think about that whole getting up and being able to get up off the floor issue? Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's just, you know, one factor of, like I was saying before, kind of these ultimatum issues. Like if you don't go down, can you get back up or can you still purposely go down to the floor? Our six month old is, or I guess actually she's nine months today. I got to keep up with it. <laughs> our, our nine month old is learning how to crawl, right? And so we see this like progression of life where I have these young kids and I'm also working with these older, what we would call athletes. And sometimes the degree of our need can vary, but really it's just something where we're learning that similar progression. It's just how able are you to actually do them? So yes, hopefully my nine month old will learn how to crawl quickly and continue to progress. But if we lose our ability to do that in our 50s or in our 60s or in our 70s, as we age into the later parts of our life, we need some of those skills to be able to continue to function independently or to be able to, like I said before, like go through our daily tasks. So while our ability to get up off the floor would relate to kind of our strength to body weight ratio, it doesn't necessarily measure our overall fitness, but it's definitely a huge part of it. So if someone has the ability, what that says to me is that they can control their body through space. 
they have the strength to move their own body weight, most likely they're not struggling with preparing the food that they need or getting a drink when they need it or going to the bathroom when they need it. And so these kind of bullets start to roll in one direction where I'm able to continuously do the things that I need to do, whether it's as simple as going to the bathroom, getting a drink, getting my food, it can translate to greater health in a greater amount of time. If I start, to, if I stop to lose my ability to do those things, one out of the ball starts rolling the other way and potentially you're running into some bigger issues down the road. So I would say it's probably a little bit more of an indirect correlate than a very direct correlate, but you can okay. see how those things like our ability to get off, off the floor can directly impact a lot of those other factors that can improve our health. Yeah. And I even think about people who like the idea of, are you fragile or not fragile? Are you moving toward being more fragile or are you keeping your strength going forward? Um, you know, when you talk about those things. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's fascinating. Um, I have two classes back to back that I do. One that works with basically 12 year old, pretty high level athletes. And uh -huh. then the next class is working with predominantly people that are in their later 60s, mid 70s, and potentially even early 80s. And it's hilarious how the programming a lot of times will be very similar in movement, but vary a lot in the degree by which we train it. So with my young kids, part of the goal is to build explosive power and to build strength and to build kind of their base as they move into their teens and hopefully through the middle part of their life too. But with the older demographic, we're doing a lot of the similar ranges of motion, just training the movement very differently. So while it's not for power or for high-end strength or for explosiveness, we're shifting more towards the balance aspect to it or the coordination aspect to it so that they can continue to do those ranges of motion as they go through the rest of their life. Because a lot of times, unfortunately, life tends to break down our bodies in a little bit of a way uh, where we need to hold on to those things for as long as possible. So it, it's very fun for me to be able to program both sides of the spectrum, but I think people would sometimes be blown away the similarities because all they would see is the differences between them. But there's a lot that we actually train that are very, very similar in terms of the movement that we're trying to master. Yeah. One of the things I think it's cool about what you do as well is there was a point where I noticed that it was hard. I have a cast iron pan and it was hard for me to lift it with food in it all of a sudden. And even though my, like my arm was strong enough, all those little muscles in my wrist and forearm were like everything couldn't work together enough to get it with one hand anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about functional movement is that type of stuff. So what is my ability to actually pick up certain weights and Unfortunately, we run into a lot of issues with specific joints. So there might be some uh, movements where we need to really focus, or there might be some individuals where we need to focus around a specific joint for them, whether it be their wrists or their elbows or their knees. And that's a great realm to dive into kind of prehab, rehab type stuff. But it really does come down to how are we developing the musculature around the system? Because we all have imbalances. We all have weaknesses in our body. It's just our ability to actually identify first and then address those things so that hopefully something like working with a cast iron band or something similar, we can not have to think about those things, not have a challenge when we're facing them. Yeah. 
So I have to bring this up that women in their 50s were teenagers in the 1980s, and it was very cool to be fit then, but everyone was worried about bulking up and looking like, a you know, like only bodybuilders were supposed to bulk up. Otherwise, women, it was considered masculine to bulk up. And I just want to bring that up for now for women who are in their 50s and 60s now. What do you, yeah. what do you think about that? <laughs> well, for someone that didn't get to live through the 70s and 80s, <laughs> I don't exactly have a great picture of what the media was producing at that time. Well, first off, when people talk about bulking, I think it's more of a little bit of a figment of the imagination than a reality. And and the wow. reason why I say that is because for people to truly bulk up, and what we're talking about there is putting on like sizable mass in terms of musculature and likely a little bit of uh, like fat when it comes to that too, because there's there's it's going to be easier in terms of bulking up if the body is going to one direction. So if we're working with a caloric surplus and training in a way that we're working at very heavy lifts and likely increasing our protein amount um, to a fairly extreme degree, it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of work and dedication in order to do that. Um, it's not just like a, I lifted a dumbbell and now I'm going to bulk up. And I, I think sometimes people get the wrong um, idea when it comes to that that if they just start lifting weight or if they join a gym or if they start doing CrossFit, that they're potentially going to bulk. And it, it takes a lot more factors than that. <laughs> many, many, many more factors. So I, I think it was probably something that was a little bit more kind of narrative driven at that time that if women start lifting weights, they're going to bulk up quickly when in reality, there is likely very little worry about that happening. In fact, I would probably argue that at that time, the pictures of women bulking up were probably not very natural causes at that time from what I know about the bodybuilding world of the 70s and 80s. And to be honest, if, if those people were now in their 50s and 60s are still worried about those things and are able to find a way that they're putting on a ton of muscle mass, I would love to talk to them because that would be a bit of anomaly in the space. But really, I think the definition comes down to why do we want muscle on our body? And like I said before, muscle is the greatest factor in terms of controlling our strength to body weight ratio. And so if we can get rid of the stigma in our head of kind of lean or bulk, and we just talk about putting muscle on our body, what we're talking about is building strength. And strength, like we talked about before, allows us to get through our life in an easier fashion but it also helps and is maybe one of the main catalysts in our ability to burn fat as well. So when people are talking about being afraid of putting on muscle or bulking up, really what they might be doing is actually limiting themselves in their ability to A, get through everyday life and B, potentially burn fat that's on their body. So here in my 30s, one of the biggest factors for me is to try to continuously put on lean body mass because I know that if I'm able to put on lean body mass now, it'll be much easier as I get into later stages of my life when it becomes much harder that I'll be able to basically manage my body weight as best as possible. Typically, that correlation is very direct with people, but it's also trying to make sure the framework is right in our head of being strong to accomplish tasks of everyday life rather than 
thinking about being strong in terms of potentially how we look or whether we're lean or whether we're bulky. Because ultimately there's a huge predisposition with that stuff too, of how we're actually going to put on muscle on our body. And from a genetic standpoint, it's very hard to go one direction or the other. And then we're getting into kind of like quick twitch, slow twitch and how the muscle, the muscle fibers actually like rebuild themselves. And that's a very hard thing to change from one direction or the other. So kind of a long answer short is I think women, especially in their 50s and 60s, should be very concerned with their ability to put on muscle, but from the other side of the script in that we should be super concerned at that age of, are we able to have the strength to continuously move through everyday life? Because as that starts to deteriorate and as that starts to break down, like I said before, it's a very hard trend to reverse, not that it can't be, but as we age, it makes it more and more difficult to try to put on more and more strength. Nice. I appreciate you saying that because I, I want, you know, that fear is real. And I wanted to just bring that up because so many people have it. In fact, I was talking to my dad about lifting weights, told him I was lift, you know, I just had just been lifting some weights and talked to him and he was like, oh my gosh, you're not going to like get And I was like, wow, that was just such a thing that it's still like a thought in our brains. It's sitting there. Yeah. Um, It's it's amazing how it's just like so prevalent. And, you know, back to kind of the CrossFit at the professional level, if there's anything that CrossFit's done at a professional level, it is more so highlight, especially women in their ability to like be strong and be fit and accomplish that. And it's not that the men aren't amazing either. It's just that for the most part that already existed in many other sports, you know, we have the NFL, we have the NBA, we have these amazing high level competitions of billion dollar industries. But the cool thing about CrossFit is that it puts those playing fields on equal levels on the men's and women's side of the equation, um, which is really cool. I, and to be honest, I can't really say that about any other sport that I follow. Like when my wife and I watch the CrossFit games or watch the different levels of competition, it's just as fascinating to watch either side because the times are very similar and the repetitions are very similar. The domains and the modalities are very, very, very similar between the men's and women's fields. It's just that the scales might be slightly different. So the weights might be a little bit different or the total repetitions might be a little bit different. So it is cool to see like an equal playing field. And even on the programming side of it, when I'm programming for our gym in everyday life, a lot of times it's very equal in terms of scoring or time or repetition between men and women because the scale exists there to put us on equal playing fields, which is really, really cool and allows me to compete alongside my wife occasionally when we get to do that or just work out next to her every day. Super cool. Yeah, that's super nice. So I, again, reassurance to all of you listening. Lifting weights is going to help you get stronger. Is really unlikely to have you bulk up. So yep, go ahead absolutely. and know that that fear is in the back of your brain somewhere from your teenage years and yep. and just allow it and let it pass. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, I wanted to talk about, you know, I've been reading how human bodies in general start to lose some muscle mass as early as late 30s and 40s. But also a lot of our listeners are perimenopause, menopause and beyond, and there's even more muscle wasting at that time. So to me, that that says that all women in midlife and beyond should be doing some strength training. 
What do you think about that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the body's going through extremes, right? So as we age, like I said before, it, it becomes just a greater challenge. I don't know that there's anything that we can do other than the same thing that I'm doing now in my early 30s. Um, let's just say maintaining my fitness. There's nothing that I would change now as I get to 40 or 50 or 60, other than having to kind of double down on a lot of those factors. And, you know, thankfully I never get to experience menopause, <laughs> but to have you walk alongside several that have or that are in it right now, I would say that double down should be more of a triple down in that your sleep becomes a greater factor. Your nutrition becomes a greater factor. Your ability to work out and, and try to dial in your fitness becomes an even greater factor because ultimately it comes down to what's in your control and what's not in your control. And yes, going through menopause, there's a lot that's not in your control, but there are many factors that are well within your control that can hopefully ease up through the process a little bit better. Having uh, gone through a couple kids now, uh, having having our second kid and and getting to live through those pregnancies with my wife uh, and watching what has happened to her body on the front side and during and on the back side, um, that same factor would be true. Her body is going through extremes to support another human life form with inside, and so there is a lot um, that we need to change on the fitness aspect of it. But at the same time, we want to try to maintain as much fitness through the process as possible. And a lot of times it comes down to listening to your body and, and what it's feeling given a certain stimulus that it's put under. Because like with pregnancy, there's no, there's no path that's exactly the same. So, and even in my wife's case, no pregnancy though, it's exactly the same. Having both of our kids. The first one, she felt a certain way in certain movements. The second one, she felt a certain way in certain movements. And it wasn't as cut and dry as just, oh, we're doing the same thing over again. We need to make the same adjustment. In fact, her squatting versus her hinging pattern made a huge difference. So one felt great on the first one and sort of flipped the script on the second one. So it, when we dial in those factors of life, our sleep, our nutrition, our fitness, and then our relationships with that, it helps us be more in tune with kind of what's going on with our body too. And hopefully we can listen to those factors a little bit better so that, you know, when I'm feeling down in the dumps one day, I can look back and say, oh, I've been sleeping like crap the past couple of days, or I've been eating like crap the past couple of days. And hopefully that's a wake up call to be able to adjust some of those things. So like I said before, thankfully I don't get to live through menopause, but there are those factors that are controllable that hopefully help us manage through the process as best as possible with that. And fitness is just as important as working on those other areas of life because it's going to put us in just a better realm from a hormonal standpoint, from a routine standpoint, and hopefully improve our sleep and improve our nutrition, improve our hydration alongside that. So it's kind of this idea back to the rising tides or rising tides raise all ships is that's just one area that we want to look in and make sure that we're trying to balance as much of those life factors that we can. Because like I said, the, the body's going through some extremes during that time. Right, right. As much as we can manage it, the better it will be. My clients, I work with them a lot on the nutrition part, but we talk about all those things. So I'm glad you brought all those things up, the hydration, the sleep. But I, I did want to just highlight for people that this, this muscle 
training is really important and and should be something that if you're thinking maybe I'd like to get into this, the answer is yes and and start now because even if there are challenges, we can start now and move forward and improve right from wherever we are. Yep, and one of the big things that founder of CrossFit uh, Greg Glassman really highlighted was this continuum of of wellness of like fitness versus sickness and. If we're focusing in the realm of being fit, of continuously improving our nutrition with, with whatever strategy that would be of continuously improving our sleep, continuously improving our relationships, we're starting to focus on the right thing and we're not having to worry about the wrong thing as much. So while there's many factors that come up in life, I mean, I, our, our toddler right now, having going to preschool, like he's going to be exposed to many sick bugs. He's going to be exposed to many different things at that age. But if we keep him in a realm of eating well, of staying active, of sleeping well, it's not that those things don't come. It's that he can hopefully bounce back a lot quicker. So what could turn into big things turn into very minor things on the way. And that, that I think is kind of the ability is, or kind of the point I was getting at before is, there's controllables and there's uncontrolled and we need to identify which is which. And hopefully in those controllable factors, we continue to move the needle forward in each one of them. And like I was saying before, as we age, hopefully we get the ball rolling in one direction, the greater and greater health along the way. Great. Great. Thank you. So CrossFit is theoretically for everyone, but all gyms are not the same, right? I have a friend who was a, you know, a college gymnast, she looks like the Olympic gymnast. And she says, you know, they walk handstands across the floor and they, you know, don't scale anything at her gym. And so they're, they're different ones. So how do we find out, you know, what's a good fit gym for us if we want to, if we're curious about trying CrossFit? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing about being a CrossFit gym is that you are tying into being affiliated with CrossFit. So that's both from a methodology standpoint but also from an affiliation standpoint. And so the group of CrossFit gyms are all supported by the top level, which is CrossFit HQ. And so it, there's hopefully a lot of similarities in, in what we're preaching in the methodology and hopefully the level of coaching. But ultimately it's hard to say what your experience is gonna be until you actually step foot in the gym. Mm -hmm. But when I think about um, what's going to make someone's experience in a CrossFit gym the best, it really does come down to the community of the coaching. So on the community aspect, are you alongside people that are going to be engaged with you, that are going to help you along the way? There, there are communities that have more of a competition vibe. There are communities that have more of just everyday fitness vibe. And hopefully there's a balance somewhere in both because neither one is a negative thing. It's just what more of the focus or the gym or for the business is. When it comes to the coaching side, hopefully you're finding someone who really does care about all of those factors of life that we were talking about before. Because if they care about what's going on at home and how you're sleeping and how you're eating, they're sure going to care about what's going on with your body inside the gym as well. And really from a coaching standpoint, we're trying to optimize movement within the gym as best as possible so that you can optimize movement outside of the gym as well. And it really comes down to getting to know individual athletes on what their backgrounds are. So whether they've been a gymnast or whether they've 
been a football player or whether this is their first time ever doing a fitness. Because while the workouts are going to change in feeling, they're not going to necessarily change drastically in what we're doing. So the more that we get to know our athletes, the better we can customize for them to decide how are they best going to get what they can out of this workout. And for working with super high level athletes, that might be a greater degree of challenge, whether it's the weight or the repetitions of the movement. And in working with people who are just trying to maintain their fitness for everyday life, that might just be getting them in the door and sweating and moving around a little bit. So hopefully the versatility in the gyms comes down to your ability to actually adapt to whatever athlete comes in your door. But it's hard to say what gym is going to offer what until you actually get within those doors and meet the coaches and meet the community. But you should be able to tell pretty quick too. And I would even say it's worth making a phone call and saying, I'm a 49-year-old woman and I want to get back into working out and haven't done anything for 15 years, 20 years, if that if that's your situation. And and you'll be able to tell from that from that phone call if it's a place to come in and visit or or if they're like, oh, well, I'm not sure, you know. And that's, I mean, that all the thing, gyms can do both very well. They can work on yeah. the competitive side with the athlete and they can work with the everyday athlete. It's just hopefully you can tell when you go in those doors that there is the versatility element there versus just a focus on one direction or the other. Yeah, nice. Because you do you do it very well because you obviously, you know, work with preteens and work with some people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who are trying to get some more functional fitness along with competitions and everyday fitness people and people who just want to get stronger. So you, your gym does quite a lot of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said before, I, I think it comes down to having a balance so that you understand that, you know, we've had, it tends to be kind of a, a trend of, we have ladies that have kids kind of all in bunches and, and we have some moms that are just a few months postpartum that are coming back or we have some moms that are are in the middle of their pregnancy too. And then we have people kind of later in life in their 40s and in their 50s who are maybe competing or maybe working out for the first time. So when you have those uh, varying degrees of, you know, 12-year-old and 80-year-old, you see the whole spectrum of life. And it really does like float my boat. <laughs> like it really does create a passion of, you know, what's the challenge of working with someone who is top 200 fittest athletes in North America versus kids that are just learning how to move their bodies, but have great control of it already versus trying to extend our independence as long as possible. And it's cool. And, and like I said before, it would be surprising to people how much of those movements are very similar, just to varying degrees of intensity. Nice. So tell us more about your gym in particular. You know, we talked a lot about the philosophy and, and what you guys do there, but tell us where you are, how people can find you. And like I said, we'll make sure this is all in the show notes so that people can click in and, and find you with phone yeah, numbers, absolutely. addresses and everything. Yep. So Northbound Training, we opened up November 1st of 2020. So kind of right in the midst of the pandemic, we shut down for a little bit and then we were able to open back up full time, basically starting 2021. And it's really been a passion project for my wife and I to grow our community, to get to know people on a very personal level, but then also to get to walk alongside life with them for 
potentially the past three years or beyond for those that we've worked with a little bit longer. We love fitness. We love that we get to lead other people through it. And I don't think I would really be looking to do anything else because just way too much fun to to find something else. We're located in Little Canada, which is just on the northeast side of St. Paul, kind of directly north out of St. Paul, located off a couple of different highways. So pretty easy to get to. Yeah. And we train anybody from young kids. We have our three-year-old. So I'd argue that I'm trained or I guess our nine-month-old that we're training <laughs> up, to, up to 80 or beyond. And really it's about finding the right program for you. So some of those outliers are a little bit smaller group sessions. So I do some more group training besides just our standard classes. And really that's about having those, those programs being a little bit more tailored to those specific athletes, whether it's a little bit of an older crew or whether it's a little bit of a younger crew or kind of our middle of the road, there's definitely a program that's available for anybody that wants to come in the door. We try to create as versatile a gym that we can. So anything from barbells to dumbbells, kettlebells to turf to runners to rowers, um, sandbags and everything in between. And again, it's really just because we love fitness and we love to try new things and do new things and, and push our bodies to the degree that they can so that we continue to get fitter, continue to get healthier, but also keep a balance of life. Because like I said before, we're just kind of walking alongside others along the way too. For more information, you're welcome to check out our website, northboundtraining.com or follow us on Instagram at northboundtraining. We try to stay up to date as much as we can, but that's a great way to get in contact with us too, either through our website or through our social media. Nice. And if people are brand new to gym life, you guys do a onboarding program, right? So people can assess on yeah, their fitness so- and, and uh, aren't just thrown into a class. Yeah. So if people's uh, goal is to kind of get into just a regular membership and get into um, everyday classes, which we offer five a day, then we take them through an onboarding process of working one-on-one, of kind of going through the whole uh, gambit of of movement and um, the focuses that you would see in class. And it's also a good time for us to get to know people a little bit better and their history and any injuries they might deal with or things from their past that might blur up. So it really is a great way to start just working one-on-one with somebody. But even even before that, if people just want to do a free intro and see the space and get a tour, get to know myself or my wife or one of our other coaches, then pre-intros are a great way to just get started too. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this. I, I just think this functional fitness idea and also the muscle training is so important at Midlife and Beyond. And I appreciate you sharing your expertise with our listeners today, Marcus. Absolutely happy to. Thank you.